Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected. We are on day, I don't know what day it is for y'all, but I'm on day like five of my quarantine. So only starting to go slightly crazy, but um, that is hopefully going to be remedied a bit by our guest today. I'm so excited to bring on Jamie Garrett and Deirdre Catlett. They are, um, they're married and they are, they have four kids. They're kind of the newest family hanging around at City Collective. And if you didn't get to see them much, I'm sorry, because all this kind of quarantine stuff happened right when they started coming around. And it would have been so awesome to get to hang out with them and meet them. But for that reason, I'm extremely excited to have them on to just kind of hear about their life and what brought them to Chattanooga and um, any kind of other fun stories that they may have. So Jamie, Deirdre, I know that y'all just moved to Chattanooga and our welcome present was a big quarantine before you got to meet anybody or try any of the good restaurants, probably. But besides and that, rain, how are probably. you doing? Oh, rain. Rain for days. <laughs> besides we're that, good. how are you Yeah, no, we're really good. We're, we're enjoying the town. We live right downtown, so we, we can still walk to Need Loves and get bread if we need to. And, um, yeah, we, we're enjoying the space that we're in. Good, good. So what part of town do you all live in? Uh, we live in the south side area, so a couple blocks from where the Choo Choo is located. Yeah, definitely. That is amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what a great spot. How are y'all liking that area? We love it. There's a real sense of community here already, uh, just in the local shops. And we, we try to be really intentional and buying things local and working on making relationships in the community. So um, it's kind of, it's been hard with the quarantine, but um, even just walking the dog, we'll go buy bread and um, try to support local, local shops. But we, we love it. It's a great place to be. There's a lot, a lot going on down here. Cool. Yeah. It seems like y'all are already kind of um, fitting right into the Chattanooga way of supporting local and buying local and all of that stuff. We, we are all about that here. Um, so that's really, really cool. How long have y'all been officially in Chattanooga? What day did we sign our lease? Um, I think it's like a, maybe a month now, three, three, three or four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We're right. Almost coming up to a month. Yeah. We've been official, um, with an address for about three weeks going on four weeks. Uh, we were in a campground at, uh, raccoon mountain three or four weeks before that, trying to decide what the heck we were going to (laughs) do. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we've been living in an RV traveling the country for the last year. So we, we knew there was going to be a time to come that we needed to put some roots down just for little while at least so um we Chattanooga it is yeah okay so already we have so our there's, first there's big no talking quarantine point. for us Brooks I mean the, the whole quarantine and sheltering in place we feel like we've got a ton more room than what we were used to for the last year so this this feels pretty expansive for us yeah I bet going, I going to a thousand square expensive. feet from about 300 square feet yeah Okay, so you've been in Chattanooga for three weeks, but you were in an RV for a year. Um, what prompted that? What was that about? Why were you doing that? Um, well, long story made, um, Cliff Notes style, our oldest, we have four, our oldest, Sydney, is 18. When she was 15, she started a nonprofit. It's called Be the Change Youth Initiative. And it originally started just as this idea of getting kids together together. 
acknowledging like their gifts and talents at a super young age and getting them to work together to advocate for others around the world. And so like we've worked with nonprofits in Haiti and Rwanda, Uganda, here in the States. And uh, we were actually working with Make-A-Wish. We've done two, we've funded two wishes through uh, Make-A-Wish America. And we were working with a local chapter in Houston. And so um, it, it was originally, our RV adventure was only supposed to be about four to six months. And um, but at a show in Austin, uh, in Austin, Texas, last May, uh, our kids were speaking at a church, and the youth pastor asked if they could speak about 20 minutes longer than they usually do, and they usually perform for about 45 minutes. And um, Sydney was very gracious and was like, "Yeah, absolutely. What do you want us to talk about?" And she just kind of gave them a list of things that she felt comfortable talking about. One of those was doubting God, like even mm. though she was raised in the church, having the freedom to doubt if God was yeah. real and to really wrestle out our faith. And the other one was dealing with um, just the pressures of social media in her generation. And then our son, Brayden, um, he shared about his own, his story, his testimony of struggling with depression for a long season and suicidal ideation. And wow. after that show, um, a young, a young girl, a middle school student came up to Sydney and shared with her how she had tried to commit suicide the previous week. And um, the, the oh youth pastor had told us that there was a student in, in the group that had, you know, had attempted suicide. And uh, I don't know, we just weren't expecting that kind of response. And um, it was, you know, obviously we left Maine with this really great, you know, idea of, hey, let's go and teach kids to save the world in such a happy way. And then here we were like just in a really, really hard, dark place. Um, the next day the the youth pastor called and was like, Hey, look, I'm really sorry that that, that totally was out of left field, but I want you to know that we have gotten so many phone calls from parents saying, who did you bring in last night? Because our kids are talking to us for the first time about really hard things. Wow. And Yeah. And so he just said, he's like, look, even though this was unexpected, please like push into this, whatever you do, keep doing this. And so that's kind of like, we said, okay, we're staying on the road. We went back to Maine. We kind of got some new clothes and we did some fundraising. And then we spent the summer um, really talking to people. The, The kids still did some shows and stuff, but it was more of us like pushing in to some really hard issues it started out with talking about mental health and suicide prevention, but then it led to a lot of really what many consider divisive topics in the church, um, whether right. it was gun control or politics or abortion or immigration, um, because so many of those conversations lead to, you know, mental health issues. And so yeah, totally. um it was just a really beautiful season that we got to experience of sitting, uh, you know, across from people across the theological spectrum, across the political spectrum, um, and trying to find some unity in the name of Jesus and trying mm-hmm. to learn how to have conversations well, so that when people look at us, whether it's in person or on social media, that even when we disagree, they see Jesus in our and yeah. how we treat one another. So. That's that's essentially what we've been doing for the last 11 months. Wow. And so you got in an RV and traveled across the country and did all of that, just spoke at places and um, sat down with people and, and had conversations with people. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
So was this kind of – I know you said that your – was it your oldest whose name Sydney who started this whole thing? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, so how much kind of like prompting from y'all did she – have to start that was this something completely on her own or did y'all kind of have a hand in it or what was that kind of process like of it being started yeah well I think it, it kind of started from her first birthday so we've had a tradition with our kids whenever we have birthdays we have birthday parties but instead of having people bring gifts for our kids we would pick a local organization and have a party for our child but ask people to bring donations and so, like, her her first birthday was at the Ronald McDonald House because um, I was a volunteer there. And so it just started this tradition. And in our house, 15 is kind of the big birthday. And so Sydney was like, I want to pick, you know, the, you know, the organization that we support this year. And I want it to be big. And it was make it was Make-A-Wish in Maine. And she was like, let's, let's fund a wish. Because Jamie and I used to be wish granters for the Make-A-Wish Foundation when I was actually pregnant with Sydney. And so... Um, we thought it was great, but she didn't realize that it was $7,000 to fund a wish. At the oh, time, wow. she, yeah, was, yeah, she was 14 and has no job. She's like, there's no way. And so we kind of like said, hey, you know, it's, it's a lot better. It's a lot easier to do hard things when there are many hands doing them. So we challenged her to, to go and, you know, find some friends that, that would help her. And so the best way to get teenagers engaged in something like this is to have it be something they like doing. So right. we had, you know, we had friends that were artists. They designed shirts. Um, she was writing and composing music, and so she recorded a song and sold it on Bandcamp. We had, you know, kids that ran cross country, so they ran in local 5K races and wrote fundraising letters. It, you know, there was a group of 12 kids, I think. It took them about six months to raise the $7,000, and, um, yeah, they did it. And that's that's where the idea came from. That is amazing. It sounds like what you're kind of hitting on is, like, this idea that um, everyone's gifting can be, like, utilized. Like, everyone's, like, passion or what they like doing can be utilized, like, in like, leverage kind of, like, for the kingdom and to um, – make money in some way even I mean not in a pejorative sense or like a condescending sense of like monetizing it because sometimes that sounds like the corporate ladder not in that way but that it can actually be used for good Amen. is kind of like where it sounds like <laughs> yeah um so with that um y'all traveling around the country you have your your daughter who's started this thing and it sounds like you're hitting into just really tapping into people's giftings and um, helping leverage that for the kingdom. What was kind of the past 11 months traveling across the country? What was that like? Like how many different places did you see? How many miles did you cover? What was that like? A lot. <laughs> okay. Did you do the, the whole country or? Yeah, well, most of it, we sort of did the perimeter. Um, and then okay. we hit uh, we did Alberta. Four, we did 40. Canada. Yeah. We parts of Canada. We did 41 States. Yeah. So wow. about 20, a little over 24,000 miles total. Uh, I was the one driving the thing. I had never driven something of that size. So it was a little, little, uh, you know, hair raising at points. Yeah, definitely. Fortunately, I had only one incident. Uh, <laughs> when we were in a national park, I scraped the side of the RV with a, with a tree, not too much damage. Yeah. Thank God. Um, <laughs> the word incident, not accident. Right? Yeah. Just an incident, just yes. minor infraction. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it was hard. It was hard. It was great. 
probably, uh, you know, one of the most memorable and challenging experiences of our life. Uh, but it was at times difficult. Yes. You know, you have four kids. Uh, yeah. We have a 40 or now a 50 pound uh, black lab that was in there with us, which everybody advised against. But the kids love the dog. So she had to come along as well. I understand. Um, yeah, we're living in a small space. The motorhome was 33 feet. Uh, we each had maybe four or five different changes of clothes. And yep. we showered when we could in public areas. And Wow. Um, yeah, it was. But it was it was a great experience. Um, you know, we got to see different parts of the country that we've never seen. We met a lot of wonderful people. Um, you know, we were in a different church every every Sunday. every, every Sunday, yeah. different churches. Okay, so you, so you went to actual local churches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Was that something that was intentional, or was that just who invited y'all? Like, were you just like really passionate about partnering with local churches? Yeah, we, you know, we, we definitely, if the kids were speaking at a church, we, we went to that church on Sunday morning to worship with them, but it was really important to us um, as well. You know, we're from Maine, so there aren't actually a lot of churches in the Northeast, and there's not a lot of, a lot of them are either Catholic or they're non-denominational, and so we really wanted to show our kids what worship looks like across the theological spectrum. So when we yeah. went to like so many different denominations and um, it, it was such a beautiful way for our kids to experience community outside of their norm. And um, yeah, we just, we really, really appreciate, you know, some, some churches had high liturgy, some, some had, you know, hardly any at all. And it just gave right. to a lot of conversations with our kids about the Bible, about church, about worship, about community, um, about expressing our faith in a public way. And it was, it just, it made our kids have a deeper appreciation for the family that they have been born into spiritually. Yeah, definitely. That is so cool. Um, what was your favorite city you went to? Oh gosh. What's yours? I loved California. Um, yeah. I, I, I really, really did. We, I actually ended up getting sick on the trip and had to have um, a major oh, wow. surgery. And so we ended up, we were supposed to only spend three weeks in California and we ended up spending three months there. And, Not a bad um, place to be stuck. No, it wasn't. The gas was $5 a gallon, but besides that, it was great. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, it was, but it, the people um, were just so wonderful. The landscapes were breathtaking. Um, like, it, it was just, I understand why people <laughs> rave about California. And that's coming from someone who's lived on the East Coast her entire life. So okay. it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, I really yeah. like uh, Brooks. The Oregon coast was beautiful. Really, uh, South Dakota, different parks and areas in South Dakota were, were great, yes. and then the um, the landscape in Montana was yes. amazing. That's of course, true. it was we're traveling through there in the summer, so right. in the winter we can't see any of it because they just snowed <laughs> in. But it's just right. yeah, the West Coast uh, and the the Southwest was really cool. Mm -hmm. Of course, we what never an amazing, experienced it. So, like yeah. opportunity to get to do that, especially with your kids. Um, yes. Right. But so you're kind of pastoring your kids through all of these different theological views and all of these worship expressions. It really makes me curious, what is y'all's kind of story of faith? Like, did you grow up in an environment like that? Were you raised like that? Were your parents always very open to talking about these things? Were you even raised Christian? What was that like for you? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I was raised Catholic. 
Okay. So uh, every every weekend we were in church, uh, and if anybody knows anything about the Catholic religion, as a kid, uh, basically all I can recall really is just a couple prayers that were hammered into my head, and also you know you got to stand up, kneel down, sit down at certain parts of the service, and it's just rinse repeat. So I didn't get much when I was a kid from my Catholic upbringing. My parents are very devout Catholic. My sister to this day um, is still very devout and believes that's the only uh, way to salvation. Um, But I really, uh, so when I left for college, I kind of walked away from my faith. And the reason I got back into it was when I met Deirdre and we started going to church together. Uh, And we tried a couple different churches in the Portland, Maine area. Um, and then eventually settled on a non-denominational church. We were there for about 10 years. Wow. Uh, but okay. then my faith, it, it wasn't like a triggering moment where all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I'm in. Uh, for me, it's, I was brought up with the, the underlying principles and foundation in the Catholic church. Um, but then uh, my faith became my own when I was an adult. But it was a slow, sort of a long, slow process for me of coming around. Yeah. How would you describe yours? Um, yeah, mine, I, I grew up in North Carolina and so I knew what day of the week it was based on what I was doing at church essentially. So, um, yeah. And, but my dad was, you know, an atheist. My mom, I was brought up Southern Baptist. My grandmother was devout Methodist. Um, so I just knew Jesus. (laughs) That was, that, that was it. Um, I do but it's funny though, because I got I got baptized the first time. I like to tell this story. I got baptized the first time when I was six, um, and during baptism, after I was dunked by our pastor, I refused to move because I told him it didn't work, and so he had <laughs> he had to do it again. And everyone in the congregation was laughing. They thought it was funny, but I was very insistent. And finally, he was like, what are you talking about? And I, and I said, I was like, you know, you said I was going to change. My heart was going to change. And I was like, but I still hate this kid who lived up the street from me. I was like, I still hate Billy, you know, and so this didn't work. You have to do it again. And I think six that that six. Yeah. And wow. so I think that really kind of underscores like who I am and my pursuit of Jesus over the last, gosh, almost 40 years now is like, if you tell me something about Jesus and I, and I see that it's not true, I push into it and I question it. And, um, my kids are very much like that. So like yeah. we really do try to seek the truth and don't take anything for granted and, you know, trust, but verify what you're being taught. And, um, so that's just like, I've always been a pursuer of the word. And so I feel like that's been, that's been my journey forever. And sometimes, you know, you know, it, it makes you a little hard to get along with because you get stubborn in some things. But thankfully, a lot of people have offered me grace over the years. And um, but I love Jesus and I love the word. So, yeah, that is amazing. Um, thank you all for sharing that. We um, I think that like as a church, one of the things like I hear just kind of in this um, in you all story that like we just like love so much. is just this idea of like loving across differences and being willing to push into the truth and not holding things too close handedly that aren't meant to be held that close handedly. Um, and I just think that that is so beautiful to kind of see in y'all's story and just, just hear about it. Um, how have y'all seen kind of like your faith transition into parenting? Cause we as a church, I don't know if you've 
gotten to see it yet in the short time you've been around, especially with the quarantine, but we have a lot of brand new parents and expecting parents and soon to be parents and all of that. So how have you kind of seen that faith like play out in, in raising children? I mean, like, what would you say to people who are about to be parents or brand new parents, especially as parents of someone whose kid was basically a shark tank prodigy? Um, uh, his mercies are new every day. <laughs> that is my, like my go-to <laughs> verse all the time. And I, you know, I've spent 10 years discipling young women. Um, and my favorite, my favorite part of discipling young women is especially in their twenties is like, it's a huge season, even for like a 10 year span, it's usually a huge season of transition, whether you're transitioning out of high school to college or into the workforce or from college into, you know, relationships, whether it's, you know, dating or marriage and then into motherhood, if that if that's the path that God has for them. And, um, you know, every every season is a transition, um, it, you know, for men and women. But for women especially, I feel like it has been the biggest blessing to come along them and and show them our failures. You know, like mm. we are super eager to share our failures with people because number one, you learn from people's failures, but it also just doesn't set a high expectation. Our kids will be the first one to tell you that like we get more things wrong than we get right. And um, there's no pretense here. Like we are, we are a mess of a family, but we love Jesus and we live in his grace. And like, we want other people to know that they're not alone in their in their walk in their journey. There is no perfection outside of Jesus, and like to just to kind of abide in that is really the only thing that you have to do, you know, because it looks different for each of us. Yeah, okay. Jamie, <laughs> that's a great answer. I would agree. Uh, I think the yeah, being authentic with your kids, um, just anecdotally, and I think there have probably been writings and studies out there on it. Uh, but kids being raised in the church and just uh, if they see hypocrisy, I think they're more likely to walk away uh, when they yeah. get that freedom. Um, so authenticity with your kids is is important. Yeah, there was uh, a there was then, oh, sorry, no, the other thing I'd add is just uh, and we fell into the trap when our kids were uh, well, our older kids were younger, uh, just keeping up with everybody else. You know, you see other couples yeah. and they're people posting on Facebook or social media. Are my kids in this program, that program, that program? You know, they didn't get into this preschool. They're not studying, you know, Mandarin at five years old or violence. <laughs> and they're at this protege. I think you just got to trust yes. that God has a plan for your kids. Amen. You know, and yeah. they're going to come into it whether you screw up, whether you don't screw up. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to reach their potential at some point. God knows what what's there for them. Uh, it's just we we marvel at it all, all the time. Oh, we have four kids. They're, they're raised in the same. I think we've been fairly consistent with our upbringing of all of them. Yeah. And they're just all drastically different with their personality, yeah. with their their passions, their pursuits. They're all different. Um, so you just got to trust, you know, God's got this. You do the best you can. And, yeah. uh, and I think, too, like to follow up on that, one of the the, the, the best piece of advice, there's two pieces of advice that I have been given that I give freely to everyone. The first is uh, my family is not for my satisfaction, but for my sanctification. Okay, and like that, 
that one has been, I find so much joy in my family. I think so you say it daily. I do say it daily sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially, especially, I do say it to myself and I probably say it out loud for my family to hear when I want to be angry or I want to lash out in anger, you know, and, um, it's just a reminder that even though I derived so much joy from my husband and from my kids, like their principal purpose in my life is to sanctify me and make me to look more like Christ. And so it's like, it's just a really good check mm. sometimes. The yeah. other one is that like, when, especially for parenting to approach parenting, like your child is a book, but to see them not as a, an empty journal that you help them write the pages but that their pages are already written and we mm. just have to help them learn how to read the book to decipher mm. what's being written. And like that piece of advice I got, I think it was from a Max Licato book like 20 years ago. Yeah. And it has sat with me my entire life. And so sometimes I will see things in my kids and I'll be like, oh, you should do this. And I have to pull myself back and say, nope, the Holy Spirit's in them. My job is not to direct them. My job is to help them, you know, take the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so that has helped me too to kind of pull back, especially when the temptation, you know, you look around to what other families are doing, um, because there is that. Like, you know, our our oldest, she came to us when she was 15, and she was like, "I don't think the Lord's calling me to go to college." Like Jamie and I both have advanced degrees. You know, she graduated right. high school when she was 16. She's a really smart kid. And we're like, what do you mean? And I literally said to her, I think you heard God wrong. Like, I can't yeah, believe definitely. I said that to her. But, the, you know, and the, the irony of this is she said, I think I'm supposed to go into missions. And, you know, six months later, like we were in Africa with Africa New Life, and then we were in Haiti with Hands and Feet Project, and those became our two um, partners two years ago when we started Be the Change Youth Initiative. And you know, looking back now, I was like, yeah, I think she got it right, and I almost derailed her because mm. I was telling her, you have to go to college. No one will, no one will, you'll, no doors will open for you if you don't go to college. But God opens doors whether you go to college or not, you know, like for her, that was her plan. And so that was the plan that he had for her. Yeah. So in hearing kind of y'all's answers on this, um, just talking about like authenticity and like walking with your kids and helping them to read kind of what's written on these pages and just kind of, I guess, being adaptable and being willing to work with your kids, not necessarily like um lord power over your kids um how have you kind of seen this play out just like personally because i think that and you can speak about this as briefly or as um as much as you feel comfortable i don't want you to talk about anything that you feel like is oversharing or anything like that but usually people that have kind of experience or at least have a passion talking about things like mental health um, they do so from personal experience, usually it's born out of. And so how have you like seen this kind of play out in your own parenting? Cause I can imagine that there are a lot of parents who, or future parents that are going to be parenting through something like that, where they're like, okay, how do I walk with my kid through mental health? I didn't have parents who walked with me through that. So I have no idea how to even do this for myself. Nonetheless, for a child I'm trying to raise. Wow. You want to go first? <laughs> 
There's, I feel like there's just like there, we there's could, so much there. Yeah. We could do a huge TED yeah. talk on that one. <laughs> um, I mean, just on the topic, I guess sticking to the topic of mental health. Uh, when when our our uh, oldest son, who's 15 now, started going through that, it was yeah. it was really hard. Yeah. Because you're right, know how. I mean, this is the first time that we had experienced something like that, and we didn't know how to navigate it. Uh, we turned at the time to uh, our pastor who uh, we actually had on our will to leave our kids to and basically wow. turned to him for help. Uh, and he, I think he, he just, he botched it and ended up sending us, yeah. you know, to some online web uh, website. Yeah. He's like, I can't help you go to focus on the family. They can refer you to someone, but he had a, he had his degree in counseling, you know, okay. and he didn't, he didn't offer to like meet with us. He didn't offer to pray with us. He, wow. he, it was, it was the issue. It, you know, there's such a stigma of mental health issues in the church. There is as a whole in the country, but definitely as you start to look at studies within the church. Um, and oh, we yeah. have found that yeah. as we have traveled the country, um, that our story, we thought it was unique. It is so far from unique. And, you know, a lot of people have walked away from the church because they how they have been treated just around this one issue of mental health. So wow. yeah, yeah. And with with Braden, thank God, after after a while he came out of it. But there was a patch there where, um, you know, he was on the kitchen floor with Deirdre and then our oldest Sydney and just bawling, like he didn't know how to turn it off and to make it stop. So it was really bad. And that actually uh, a number of different factors went into. Our decision to hit the road but that's something that weighed pretty heavily on me because at the time i was working some crazy hours i was working like 60 70 hours a week at least at least yeah. uh yeah, you know yeah. so i was really there i was sort of you know i felt this this weight on me where i was failing uh when he was going through that to really be home and be present um you know so that was one of many factors that contributed to our decision to do this this crazy thing sell the house quit the job and and hit the road, um, you know, but thank God he came out of it. And one of the big things for him, uh, you know, bringing it full circle from where, what we were talking about a while ago with their passions and their, their gifts, his is music. And uh, he too, my, my oldest daughter writes and, and plays and Braden writes and plays as well. And that I think is what, that was a big factor in him coming, coming out of it yeah. where he started writing songs about his experiences. Um, so that, that helped him. Um, and and that's been the biggest turning point in, you know, when they perform at, you know, out in public, it's those songs because there's a story behind them and it resonates with anyone who feels alone or anyone who has struggled with suicidal thoughts or just feeling like they're not good enough or whatever the case may be. It's, you know, he at a church in Paso Robles, he's, you know, it clicked for him because Sydney was talking about how the thought of not being able to do this with her brother, if he wasn't here with her now, like mm. she, it, she just lost it. And then he yeah. got really emotional too. And he was like, I see now the purpose, one of the lines and one of the songs that he wrote is like, there's purpose in the pain. And mm. it's wow. like my favorite part of the song. And um, because it's the turning point, it's when you see like, this is like, you, God has allowed this season to enter into your life, not because he's punishing you, but because like mm. he is with you and your story is important. And there's someone else who doesn't know God who would be crippled under the pain, 
but only for the blood of Jesus and our love for our Savior, like you get through it to, you know, to, to talk to other people, to share your story and to hopefully, you know, lead them into a relationship with Jesus. And like that, you know, to see your kids stand in front of their peers on a stage and just like open up in such a vulnerable way and say, this is my purpose in life. Like, you know, that there is no greater joy, I think for us is to say, okay, like, you know, we don't, if they go to college or not, we don't have to worry about them. Like God has them. And it was just such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful turning point for us when he, he got it and he saw the purpose in all of this for sure. Yeah. And I think it's going to be something that is maybe it, like you said, it's a huge issue and that their story is so ununique and that's not to trivialize it or downplay it, but just to kind of hopefully remove some of the stigma around it because of how normative it is for people in our time and because of how pervasive these issues are. Um, And I think that as we continue kind of in this life of coronavirus, unfortunately, the deeper we go into isolation, the more of a reality that will become for some people. And the maybe even the more abandoned they'll feel in that and the more that they'll be like, man, like what's happening with this? I don't the outlets that I used to have, I don't have any more. I don't even know where to go for this. And so just what like a tremendous like message of hope that like even if somebody's experiencing that a week from now, they can look back on this and be like, there's some type of solidarity here because like here's these people sharing their story about their son writing songs about how there's purpose even in his pain. And it doesn't mean that God's like abandoning us or forsaking us in that. And I just think that's amazing. Yeah. God's amazing. Yeah. I mean, ask us, you know, when we were on that kitchen floor with him and he was like, I just, I, I don't want to live anymore. Like we didn't think it was amazing then, but yeah. definitely. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. I think t- to find people where they are, cause you know, there might even be someone listening to this right now where that's where they are personally, or that's where their child is, or that's where someone they know is. And like to be able to point to someone who says, hey, I've been where you are and it does get better. And let me tell you my story, like that is the purpose of your pain. And so to yeah. I think I think so often like we can share lots of stories with you and our family of where we could allow shame to like creep mm. in and like, yes, thank you. Praise Jesus. I overcame this. But and that's not who I am now. So let's just ignore that part of my life, you know, and, right. you know, that's, that's also detrimental to the body because, yes, you overcame, you know, horrible circumstances, but someone else is in those circumstances now. And like, you know, I think we and I think that's one of the places where Satan just gets us is like, but you don't want to confess that you don't want to share that you don't want people to think right. badly of you. And, um, you know, you get to a place where like it only really matters what Jesus thinks about me. And I, you know, in your fear of, of God and like, you know, for me, disappointing him is so much greater than my fear for man. And, um, you know, and my kids will say, Hey, we're still fearful of man, and, you know, and to walk with yeah. them through that, because it's only when they become closer to God that that balance tips. And so, you know, and I think, you know, that's, you know, going back to your question too, I think, especially for people who are entering the parenting life and contemplating it, you know, I had no one say this to me. I mean, everyone says all your kids are different, but, you know, having said that, 
you know, my kids are so different, even on a theological spectrum. Like, you know, you, you know, they are all taught the same. Like I teach, I went to seminary, like they are all taught the same thing from, you know, from my Bible, you know, from my books, like that's how they're taught. But they are different people and their convictions are different based on their life experiences. And, you know, you will, you know, some people might think that one of my child, one of my children is more progressive and one's more conservative. And, you know, I don't necessarily like those labels. Um, yeah, me either. I'm, so, yeah, company. But, okay. So, but the thing is, I understand in the world that we live in, why they would say that. And, um, you know, and I, for my kids, especially, I know that they are the way they are as far as w- where they understand truth to be based on who they are called to witness to. And, um, you know, and we always have really great, healthy conversations about these topics. And a lot of it is because we've allowed ourselves to be in vulnerable places with people to have these conversations, whether it's abortion, whether it's immigration, whether it's gender equality or sexual equality or our gay rights or whatever it is, we have sat with people across the country that are deeply involved, deeply invested in those issues. Uh, and like, and our kids have not been sheltered from it. And we teach them to take everything and to filter it through the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do and lead them to the conversations they're supposed to have. And that can be a really scary thing when one kid ends up on quote unquote one end of the spectrum and one kid right. ends up on the other. But if you can bring it back to Jesus and that they know the truth, I have to trust that if we're all different and we're all called to witness to different people, we're mm. all going to kind of see, see some things a little differently as long as we don't sacrifice the truth. And so like to offer up some grace with that, you, you, the last and when you say you the truth, your, you mean like fundamental or like foundational, yeah, I guess. I'm a foundational, yes, yes. Foundational gospel Bible truth. And, yeah. um, you know, and the last thing you want, I would think as a parent is to have a carbon cut copy of yourself. Cause I know I'm flawed. Like, even though I went to school yeah. and was educated, I don't have everything right. And the same Holy spirit that's in my kids is in me. So I learn from my kids daily. I mean, Jamie, I'll now tell you, like, sometimes we look at Brayden and we're like, where did you get that? Like that kid, yeah. like devours the Bible. And I learn from him all the time. And um, I'm humbled by it, but praise God, like I want my kids to be smarter than me. <laughs> like yeah, I want definitely. them to know Jesus better than me. I want to, I want my kids to get to a place where I am learning from them. Um, and you know, I think that just to have that grace that you don't have to have it all figured out. If you teach your kids to think for themselves and to search scripture for themselves, you will be humbled by what they teach you. That's a good word. Um, so in the midst of all of that, how did you kind of land where you're at as far as like parenting like this and um, not even even like working through maybe I'm not a parent, so this may be ignorant on my part, but I would assume that as my kid is working through some of these difficult things or if my kid's experiencing mental health struggles or if they're working through theological paradigms that I would be prone to experiencing some level of shame 
or even um, disappointment in myself or just wanting to be a perfect parent, even though I know that's not possible, but I'm young and I'm naive. So I think to some level, I still think I could, I probably want to aim at it. And so um, how have y'all just learned how to accept your humanity in parenting? (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, I can I'll tell you this story. We were church planting in Rhode Island, gosh, six years ago, I feel like. It's probably closer to eight now. Okay. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, and I just remember, it was the first time, I mean, remember, I was raised in the church, but really had no relationship with Jesus. And um, it was the first time we were asked to go, we were asked to go and help plant a church. And we were in charge of family ministry. And um, we were, the responsibility to actually disciple people was put on us. It's one of the reasons I decided to go to, to seminary. Um, and I just remember sitting down with our kids I think Sydney was 10 at the time and and Brayden was eight. And I remember apologizing to them. Like I remember coming to them and like saying, like humbly saying to them, Hey guys, things are going to change around here. And it's not because you did anything wrong. It's because I kind of missed my purpose as your parent in raising you to follow Jesus. Wow. So, you know, and like, I don't want you to think that you're being punished, you know, but, but we're just going to do things differently. I think we had one of those moments on the road, too. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. No, and I think it was because, you know, being on the road for us was pivotal because it was we had been in church leadership for, for a long time. And like, you know, sometimes like the wheels of, of the institutional church just take over and it kind of like squashes the Holy spirit. And we found ourselves in that place and there's no better place for our family and what God was calling us to, to Jamie to quit his six figure job and for us to sell our house and to buy an RV, having never been camping a day in our lives. And that's not an exaggeration, like never. And to, to walk into this place where we had to say, okay, Lord, like you have to lead us. And I can't even tell you how many times we would find ourselves in a, in a Cabela's parking lot or a Coles parking lot. I think I took a picture when we were in Nashville last because it was our last meeting the end of January. So that was right before we came to the RV park at Raccoon Mountain. And I took a picture and the kids are like, why are you taking the picture? I was like, well, we have absolutely no idea where we're going from here. Like this is a pivotal moment in our lives yeah. where like we we have nothing planned. There were no more shows planned. We like we were we had changed the direction of be the change. The website changed. Like it was no, even though we still focus on encouraging kids to use their gifts and talents to help others. The focus now is providing a space where kids and adults can push into the things that they're doubting, whether it's what they're doubting mm-hmm. they they read in the Bible, what they're doubting, they see played out in the church today, like really to have a safe space to exercise those doubts and not feel judged for them and hopefully push more into Jesus and and be closer. And, you know, it was just this really, really weird place for us to be, but it was so important. Like the way our lives are scriptured and structured in this, this country is for, it's really hard to have a life of faith, like to really put yourself into a place where you don't know where your next meal is coming from, or you don't know where you're going to sleep tomorrow night. And 
it made our kids realize that there was something so much more than just going to church on Sunday, you know? And, and yeah. here's the thing. You don't have to live in an RV to do it. That's what's been really great about being in Chattanooga now is because everything that we've learned on the road, we've kind of said, okay, but can we do it in community? Can't Because yeah. the answer is yes, you know? But I think we Definitely. had to learn the principles on the road but now we'll we'll go out and we'll be like all right what's god doing today who are we going to talk to today who can we bless today you know and so it's changed our is is fundamentally changed how we live each single day yeah i know that as a church we are really devoted to this idea of practice and that we create these spaces to practice things and sometimes you may do a practice like silence and solitude or fasting or um, different types of prayer. And while you're doing the practice, you may not feel anything. But we believe that through enough time spent with partnership with the Holy Spirit, that eventually that will produce something in you that is like this like holy remnant that it just becomes a part of who you are. And all of a sudden, like you realize that you're just not as anxious of a person. And so it sounds like you'll have this experience of practice kind of just all of these different principles while you're on the road. And now all of that time spent practicing just holy missional living has become kind of like a permanent mainstay in your life now. And what's beautiful about it is it sounds like it came from this, this moment that I know so many of us are probably about to experience. And it's kind of like this threshold moment. And what I mean by that is, so for example, last night I was sitting with my wife and we are trying to be intentional about this quarantine time. So there are endless, infinite amount of things we could do to fill our time, but it doesn't mean that we should do them. And just because we have the freedom to do them doesn't mean that we should do them. So we can watch Netflix for 18 hours or whatever we want to do, but it doesn't mean it's the best, right? right. And so um, as I've kind of, as we've tried to kind of adopt this healthy rule of life for this quarantine time it's led to me having a lot of time to be introspective and last night i was talking to her and i just had to like apologize because i was like i've just reflected and it's not you i just realized that some things need to change because i've kind of just settled for being a best friend more than a husband and um it's like it's only when we're in these moments where we have time to stop and reflect and we're stripped away of all of the distractions and all of the things that we kind of use to numb ourselves to what's really underneath that we can really stop and be like, you know what, like this is how I want to parent or this is how I want to husband. And I think that a lot of us are about to find ourselves in these moments over the next couple of weeks as we find ourselves increasingly bored, which I barely know of. Um, I've had technology my entire life, so boredom isn't something I'm super familiar with. But it sounds like y'all kind of got to experience that moment and see it play out already on a large scale as you traveled the country. Yeah. Yeah, and the great thing, I mean, you can always change. Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I feel like we're always course correcting, Brooks. Always. There's always something to course correct. <laughs> and that's yeah, the beauty of what you said earlier that's, about that's God's the beauty mercy of it. Yeah, being made that's new. The beauty of it, right? Yes, every day. His mercy <laughs> and his grace continually just give us new chances. Um, yes. But so if someone's listening to this and they're like, man, this is really, really cool, or I want to ask a question about a particular thing, um, would y'all be open to people reaching out to talk to you if they're like new or prospective parents in our church? Yes, yeah, absolutely. please. I, yes, 
it that's our heart's desire, whether it's, I mean, after the quarantine, having meals and doing coffee, going through the Bible together, like, we, you know, he could keep us here longer, but like, we know that we're here to serve the body and to, to help people um, become, you know, the wives and the husbands are supposed to be, the parents are supposed to be, the co-workers are supposed to be, the leaders are supposed to be, like, that's our calling. And we, we just feel like that's something that we can do is come along people beside them and to, to help them find their voice and, you know, see their gifts and to use it to, to raise up a generation that will, you know, gosh, overcome so many things through, through Jesus in this world. And um, the more that we do it together, you know, the better for sure. Yeah. And that's something a couple of years ago, back uh, when we were living in, in Portland, um, we did on a regular basis. We yeah. had young, uh, at the time, mostly single, although I think they, most There's of them some, now them married. are all married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But 20, 20 somethings. And, yeah. you know, Deirdre would be discipling a group of young women. They'd come over and we'd share a meal and then they'd go downstairs and do their thing. And uh, at some point, some men, young men started coming over as well, yeah. and I was meeting with them separately. And it was really a rich time in our life. And where we're leasing an apartment now, um, it's got some really cool public amenity areas. Uh, like it's got a kitchen area downstairs, a game room area. Um, you know, there's a pool outside. All of it's closed down right now because of um, quarantine. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at some point when it stops raining and, uh, you know, this thing gets lifted, um, you know, that's something we actually had talked about a couple of weeks ago is having people over and availing ourselves of these, these areas, these common areas. Um, and our know, kids to, to too. Like, I think that's one of the things that's really, really important. Um, you know, especially, and I know that there are some young couples and young kids too. Like, it, you know, sometimes I think we think linearly in our relationships, you know, but our kids, we, we joke, our kids are ministry kids. They've grown up doing ministry and we are all like our kids are great babysitters and like you know to to have a place where you know we can go out to dinner with a couple and they know that they're with Sydney or our kids and and having good fellowship and being watched and being loved because like the relationship aspect of church community sometimes I think we forget that it's not just one dimensional and you know, our biggest blessing, it's funny because Jamie took our oldest three back to Maine to get our furniture. And we had a young woman who, um, who lived with us for about nine months. Actually, she probably, she, I think she lived with us for a year. Um, and she called me after meeting with Sydney. She met with Sydney and Piper individually. And she was just like, I love the fact that you discipled me. And now I'm discipling your girls. And yeah. she's like, she's like, and she wasn't raised in the church. Her parents weren't Christians. And and she's like, I just feel like this is this is what it should be like. And I was like, yes, like this is what it should be like. And so we're all about fostering relationships within the family, you know, and and our kids are hungry for older, older kids or not kids, older, younger adults to to pour into them and to spend time with them. And, you know, it's been hard for our kids too to be on the road, um, you know, and try to have relationships and they haven't been able to do that. So, you know, we, we just take the family aspect very seriously when it comes to relationships. Yeah. So how can someone do that if they want to reach out to y'all and connect or would you, would the best thing for 
for me to connect them with y'all or is there like an email or something you want to give people? Absolutely. Um, you, our, um, our office email is pretty much the email that we use, which is office at bethechangeyi.com. But if other people want to text us, you feel free to give them our numbers as well. We're, we're okay with that too. Definitely. Well, um, thank you so much for y'all's time today and just your vulnerability and your openness to, to sharing. Um, it has been a tremendous blessing. I just wanted to read something from Romans 15 to kind of close out our time together. Um, as, as y'all were talking and as y'all were just sharing about your story, it just it made me think of Romans 15, especially considering our time. And so um, I just wanted to read the words of Paul to the church in Rome. And starting in verse 1, he says, We who are strong ought, ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Amen. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as y'all were sharing just about um, being able to walk with people and bear each other's burdens and um, encourage each other and like how family is not just for our satisfaction but for our sanctification. Um, it just all was just like bringing forth in my mind this idea that Paul was getting at in Romans 15. And so I just pray that that is a blessing to y'all and to everyone that is listening, just like y'all's story was. Mm, so thank y'all. Yeah. Um, so if you want to connect with Jamie and Deirdre, please do not hesitate to um, email them. And that is office at bethechangeyi.com, correct? Yes. Or you can email me at brooks at citycollectivechat.com, and I can put you in contact with them. But um, other than that, for all of our listeners and for everyone at City Collective, thank you so much, Jamie and Deirdre, um, for being willing to share and talk about some really difficult things. I know that it's not always easy, but we believe that God is so glorified in the sharing of our stories and how he uses them to connect us and bring us solidarity is a tremendous blessing. So thank you all so much again for that. You're welcome. I know it has been a tremendous blessing for me, but um, that is all the time we have for today. So we are going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Again, you can find us on Spotify and on Anchor for right now. Hopefully, we will be on Apple soon where you can subscribe and review and all of those good things. We're just waiting on them to approve it, but I think we'll be there soon. So um, I hope and pray that your quarantine for everyone who's listening is going well, that you're not going too crazy that you have enough um, Instagram push-up challenges or whatever it is to keep you through the day. So um, I've seen plenty of those on my stories. But thank you all again for listening. And for Connected, which is a City Collective podcast, this is Brooks. I am praying that the grace and peace of God, our Father, will sustain you in this time. Y'all have a great day.